alternate song structures can go a long way and can be an effective tool in your songwriting tool belt. Sometimes we can get so wrapped up in the most common song sections and song structures, we miss out on the opportunities that alternate song structures and song components can give us. Let's talk about it. Hello, friend. Welcome to another episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast. My name is Joseph Adala. As always, my name hasn't, in fact, changed. Glad that you're here. Honored that you take some time out of your busy day and week to talk songwriting with me. Glad songwriting's important enough to you to listen to a podcast because it's important enough to me to actually record a podcast. So, The fact that we are together in our care of the craft of songwriting means a lot to me. I'm glad that people genuinely care about songwriting, just like I do. If you haven't already, be sure to grab my free guide, songwritertheory.com slash free guide. If you want to dive right into songwriting, it gives you 10 different ways to start a song. I'm a big proponent of change up how you start your song because you'd be surprised how much that can help your creativity just by doing something subtle like If you're a guitarist, just start your song by actually making a bass line instead of starting with a guitar chord progression can go such a long way. So if you want 10 different ways to start writing a song, be sure to check that out. But in this episode, we're talking about subtle alternate song structures. We're talking about some components that help us create Song structures that are just slightly alternate, not something that would stand out as being crazy, not something that people would necessarily even notice, uh, but still can make a big difference because, of course, you can't help but notice some of the more overtly different song structures like, I don't know, say Bohemian Rhapsody, right? That song, there's nothing that repeats. It just goes from one crazy section to the next it's overtly different, right? It's obviously different. Of course we can do that. Um, Nobody since that song has ever been able to do it nearly as well, in my opinion, but hey, we can, and you know what? At some point probably should give it a shot. But in this episode, we're not concentrating on stuff like that because honestly, at some point when looking at really different song structures like that, it's not it's it's just like a b c d there there really is no named song sections anymore there are just section a section b section c and what all of those are is just whatever you want them to be um so ultimately there probably isn't that much to talk about for those types of songs anyway so we're not talking about that we're talking about little alternate but minorly alternate things that we can do with our song. So just as a frame of reference, let's open with our first one. The first one is simply opening your song with a chorus. This is a thing that certainly is not super uncommon. We all, I'm sure, can think of some songs that we know of that actually open with the chorus. But honestly, this can be something that is very underutilized. In fact, a lot of a, a lot of us right now are probably thinking, man, man, I haven't I haven't actually uh <laughs> I haven't actually done a song that opens with a chorus. In fact, what made me think of this is recently I came to the realization that I hadn't done a song that opened with a chorus. And I thought that's that's a subtle, just different thing to do and try. 
Uh, actually, that's technically not true. I had written a song that was meant to start with the chorus, but then the song got too long and I felt there wasn't really a good reason to open with the chorus. So I ended up removing it and then just having a standard song structure for that song. But I was like, hey, I want to write a song that it does work to have a that that it does work to have the song open with the chorus. So what would be the purpose of opening with a chorus? One would be to begin with the destination. So you may have watched some TV shows where there are sometimes episodes that show you at the beginning of the episode sort of a, you know, here's how the episode ends, more or less. And then they'll do like a six days earlier. And then the whole episode sort of centers around and here's how we got there. And maybe, you know, it really it takes you to not the very end of the episode, but it gives you you know, the the beginning part of the climax of the episode and you don't get to finish seeing the climax of the episode until you at, you actually see it at the end. Uh, but still, the the episode will open with that. I feel like this is particularly common in, in just some crime shows when they're trying to change things up, uh, have sort of an alternate story structure and, and you're sort of looking for, oh, how does that end up, how do all these pieces end up coming together to, uh, you know, end up, finishing and resolving the episode at at that point. So overall, opening with a chorus would be the song equivalent of that, right? We're saying, here's the theme right up front. Here's the main idea of the song right up front. Now let's talk about how we get there. And another purpose that we might have with for, for opening with a chorus would be simply to start with a bang, right? If the chorus is usually the best part of our song, why not have the very beginning of the song just explode and be awesome immediately instead of sort of coming in with a subtle intro and then we build up during the verse and then we build up a little bit more during the pre-chorus and then boom, there's the chorus. Obviously, there's nothing wrong with that. That's the vast majority of songs. Maybe not necessarily the pre-chorus part. That sort of depends on genre and all that sort of thing, but Certainly the the structure of intro, verse, chorus, whether there's a pre-chorus in between or not, eh, doesn't really matter for the sake of this discussion. But obviously there's nothing wrong with that. That being said, it can be a subtle and yet have a profound impact on the song simply by opting to open with a chorus, which then starts your your song with a bang. This is sort of the equivalent of a movie dropping you right into the action or a book dropping you right into the action to hook you before the next scene ends up being sort of more a setup scene or scene that's very character driven. It's a very common thing to do. In fact, there used to be a, a novel writing podcast I listened to. I, it's currently the title of it is is not writing something. I don't remember what it was, but Brandon Sanderson did it. It was a writing podcast back in the day. Uh, Very good. And one of the things that they talked about was writing a chapter, like your first chapter of the book, and then throwing it out. And then actually having the book start on what was effectively the second chapter that you wrote. And the idea of this was sort of the, the, to to get right into the action. And a great example of something that does this is Star Wars Episode Three. You have 
it always starts in space, right? But it immediately starts with a huge space battle. It drops you directly into the action. A lot of great, you know, sci-fi action movies will do this sort of thing. And it helps the movie to just sort of start with a bang and, and have this have this rush of energy right from the beginning. And just like anything else, not every movie should do that. And not every song should open with a chorus. But sometimes it might be the right call or it might be a call that honestly is sort of up to you. There is no right or wrong. Um, but try it out, right? If you have a song... Maybe, especially if the song is not overly long already, maybe it's like three, three and a half minutes, and you're like, hmm, let's try having the chorus at the beginning, see if it if it works better that way, or if it is worse, then, you know, don't do it. Another thing you can do, of course, is try writing a song where it is explicitly written to effectively utilize the architecture, if you will, the song architecture of opening with a chorus. And speaking of slight alterations to choruses we can make to have a decently profound impact on the song is having a small first chorus. And when I say a small first chorus, I'm not talking about like, oh, the arrangement of the chorus has slightly fewer guitars in it or doesn't have all of the layers of instruments that the final version has. I'm talking about a small first chorus one that is maybe purely acoustic. It might even be smaller than what your verse was. I'm talking really, really, really bare bones first chorus where it is not at all like the final chorus in all of its glory. You might even be singing down the octave, that type of small first chorus. Why might we do this? What could a purpose be for a small first chorus? One would be to provide an alternate, more intimate take on the chorus. It could give your chorus, say, a sad vibe instead of the angry vibe that you get from the main chorus. Because if the main chorus has a bunch of power chords and guitars and you're singing up the octave and it's really high, it could come across like you're yelling and you're angry about this sad thing that's happened to you. But when you take it down the octave, it just sort of has a different vibe now. Now it sounds, and it's more intimate, right? Maybe it uses acoustic guitar instead of electric guitars that are all layered. And now, even though the lyrics may be exactly the same, the whole vibe of it has changed completely. Or, you know, if 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 it's a song that's mocking someone or is is a very sassy song or something and and the the chorus sort of sounds like oh you're pointing and laughing at the person like what a fool this person is who thinks they're better than me or whatever uh the small first chorus could be the smirk equivalent right this is when you're just you have a little smirk on your face like oh that's that's amusing that's kind of cute that you think you're better than me and then like you know the the point and laugh one is is more the profoundly obvious like you fool Another way to look at this is, is is think about how sometimes an acoustic, folky cover of a hard rock song can make the entire tone of the song and lyrics sound different. We've all heard covers where we think, wow, just the way they covered it. Maybe it's a, you know, a folk song that a rock band covers or the other way around where it just totally changes 
the overall vibe of the song. Something that comes to mind for this is The Sound of Silence. I think both the disturbed cover of it and the original Simon and Garfunkel are like perfect, but they're totally different and totally changes the vibe of the song. The Simon and Garfunkel version is 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 just very sort of intimate, almost eerie sounding, whereas the disturbed version has a, a real epicness to it and and you know goes up the octave and it becomes really uh, profound and powerful in a different way. And the fact that the cover is done so differently and arranged so differently is largely what gives it a very different tone. But we can have this both both in the same song. And the way we can have both in the same song is simply by having a small first chorus that is more intimate, maybe more acoustic, maybe down the octave. And later in the song, probably starting with the second time the chorus comes around, have the full chorus. So we can have both in the same song. Another purpose would be to simply give the song more time until it hits its peak energy. So you could think of this like the more minor first fight between the main hero and the villain in the first act of a movie or a book. It sets up the conflict of the movie or book, but the fight is really more of an appetizer. And often it's interrupted rather than truly finished, right? Because the good guy and bad guy, neither of them can die because (laughs) we have the rest of the movie to finish. Examples that come to mind for this are the uh, Spider-Man movies, specifically the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies, which are my favorite superhero movies of all time besides the Dark Knight trilogy, specifically the Dark Knight. But uh, besides that, which I feel like shouldn't even count because it was Christopher Nolan, it's not even fair, uh, but the Spider-Man Sam Raimi trilogy, just so good. Anyway, not the point. If you've seen those movies, which I'm sure you have, um, both of the first two, and we're not going to talk about the third one, even though it's a little bit better than people remember. It's not as bad as people make it out to be. But uh, the first two are just all-time classics. They're great. And in the first Spider-Man movie, Spider-Man fights with the Green Goblin multiple times, right? And the first fight is at that Unity Day street fair. And, you know, it, it doesn't really have a real conclusion because Spider-Man sort of just ruins the Green Goblin's glider and then the Goblin just sort of flies away, right? We'll meet again, Spider-Man, he says. And that sets up the main conflict of the movie, but it's not super high stakes yet, but it still is there, right? You, It's not like Green Goblin and, and Spider-Man don't meet until the end of the movie. Then there's no relationship, there's no, there's no real gravitas to the conflict if they did that, right? So you have to have some of these opening conflicts. Or, you know, Doc, Doc Ock in the second movie with the sort of birth of Doc Ock scene where he, where Otto first puts on the mechanical arms. You know, at that point, he's not even a bad guy yet, really. He just has the mechanical arms on and he's a scientist who's gotten so wrapped up in whether he could do something to ask whether he should. Uh, yes, I just wanted to go for the Jurassic Park reference, but uh, re- really, you know, he just he just was had his focus so on the prize that he 
let it go too far. So it wasn't even a bad guy at that point, and yet it's setting up some of the conflict. And uh, and Peter Parker puts on the Spider-Man suit, uh, you know, off screen, so nobody, so nobody sees he's Spider-Man in the movie. Um, and then fights Doc Ock for the first time, and really Doc Ock fights him. Spider-Man is mostly just trying to shut down the machine. But I, but anyway, the small first chorus is sort of the same idea. It's a low stakes way to introduce the main theme, the main meat of the song, where we're not giving it all away at the beginning all at once, right? If if a movie always had a full-blown fight scene where it is just as epic as the final fight scene in the first act, it would end up sort of neutering the final act, right? Because it would just feel like, okay, we've already seen this. And we've already seen this to the extent that it's being shown here in the third act. And we don't want to do that, right? We want the the end of the, the song or the end of the movie to be the best part and to resonate. So a great way we can do that is simply by having that small first chorus can really help to add more gravitas to the final chorus because we haven't stolen its thunder by already repeating the large chorus, if you will, the full chorus, multi- you know, many times before we get to the last one. So if you have three choruses in your song, say, we have a verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, very standard song structure. In that case, by the time we get to the final chorus, we've actually only heard the full chorus in all its glory once, because the first chorus, we opted for a small first chorus. Also, you can have like a small, medium, and then large chorus as well. That also would be less common, but certainly something you can do. And again, I'm not talking about, you know, oh, we add one or two more guitars in to make it slightly bigger. That's just any arrangement. You you basically always do that. You don't want to have the final chorus be exactly the same as the other choruses. Otherwise, it just it would just feel a little bit more boring. You don't want to do that. Um, so we're talking about one or two steps farther with this. All right. Getting off the chorus for a bit, what about a second bridge? What would the purpose of a second bridge be? One purpose would be to be able to fit in more story without needing to over-leverage the verses. So what do I mean by this? Frankly, it's usually very difficult to keep verses interesting past three of them. It's very difficult to have four verses and keep a song interesting. Very few songs do this. Very few songs even attempt to do this. And frankly, even a third verse can be pretty difficult, especially if you don't have a bridge to break it up. Songs that go verse, chorus, verse, chorus, verse, chorus are living life on the edge. And I've written songs that do that, but it's it's, it's living life on the edge. Because oftentimes it's very easy for that third verse to be like, really, again, because now it's just one couplet repeated three times, right? Verse, chorus, couplet one. Verse, chorus, couplet repeated. Verse, chorus, repeated again. Just adding a bridge goes a long way in breaking it up. But even after three verses and a bridge to break it up, there might still be more story you have to tell. So... If your first bridge was building some real momentum, instead of doing what a lot of songs do, which is a great song structure, I think, which is to sort of have a bridge that 
ups the ante and then the bridge sort of dissipates and then you have the third verse, which very often is either the smallest verse of the song that gets really intimate, just an acoustic guitar, just a piano or something like that before it explodes into the final chorus. Or another very common thing is it starts really intimate with the third verse and then it builds, builds, builds until the final chorus and it's building during that third verse. That's pretty common as well. Both great. But another option is to not have a third verse at all where maybe it feels like it's going down in energy relative to the bridge. And in fact, you could instead have verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, and then from there, you're probably expecting to go back into the chorus or into a third verse. But no, instead you have another bridge that maybe ups the ante even more, ups the energy even more before finally then going into the final chorus. And something that gets us for another purpose, is to have more musical surprises late in a song. It's like having multiple twists and anti-raisings, like raising the ante, before the finale that does ultimately deliver on the promise of, to go to back to a movie or book analogy or story analogy in general, the good guy defeating the bad guy, right? So people are not expecting a second bridge. They're probably expecting right back into the chorus, or maybe a third verse. And even that, a third verse is the relatively unexpected way to go because more songs go directly from a bridge into a chorus or sometimes a bridge into a pre-chorus into a chorus. So already a third verse can be a good way to have a surprise. But if you want the sort of, and another twist that raises the ante, and another twist that raises the ante, the best way to have that in song form is to have a second bridge where you have that that second chorus and then you have your bridge, which is pretty standard at that point. But then you say, oh, you thought that first bridge was exciting and cool. Let's up the ante with a second bridge that's even more exciting and that adds even more story that you didn't see coming before finally then resolving the whole song with going back to our theme that is probably addressed in the chorus because usually our choruses are more theme-driven. And then back to a chorus for a second because choruses are important. And this, this, is, a, this is a little bit different, though. So for our fourth alternate song structure of the five we're talking about, we have a second chorus. So I'd argue there's really two types of what I would call second choruses. Um, sometimes I like to label one of these things a second chorus and the other one an alternate chorus because I, I see them as two very different things and there's not necessarily official naming for, the, for, for, the, for each of the two to separate them. There's no ubiquitous language around it. Uh, ubiquitous in this case, meaning, you know, this one word means a very singular thing and we're all in agreement on what that thing is. Uh, so when I say chorus, hopefully we all are thinking exactly the same thing when I say chorus. So we have ubiquitous language over this is what a chorus is. So we don't really have that around a second chorus. So we're going to talk about both. I think both are valid. Uh, the main one I'm, I want to talk about is one of the two, though. So let's dive into what, what I'm talking about. Because now I'm just spinning around what I'm 
actually trying to say, and it's probably driving you crazy. Sorry about that. So a second course. One type of second course is simply the chorus, but it has alternate lyrics, right? And this is certainly a very valid way to go. It can add to the main point of the chorus. You know, whoever said that that your chorus, which contains your central theme, probably needs to have the same lyrics every time. The answer is nobody. Nobody ever told you that. Well, maybe they did. If, if so, they lied. Uh, they don't. It doesn't have to. In fact, so, some of my favorite artists make a habit of of not repeating lyrics and choruses. Uh, Five for Fighting, actually, I, almost all of Five for Fighting's like main hit songs, the choruses always alternate lyrics at least a bit. Some more than others, but they almost always change lyrics, um, which effectively like doubles the amount of lyrics you have to write, uh, which admittedly can be a little bit daunting, but uh, it can be worth it. It's a great way to, to go sometimes. So that's one form of a second course. For the record, this is something that I prefer to call an alternate chorus because to me, that's what it is. It's a, it's the chorus. It's the same chorus. It just has alternate lyrics. So that's one way to go. And if you go in that direction, a purpose to it could be to have alternate lyrics that add to the theme so you can repeat the chorus at the end and get all the benefit of the repeated music, right? You've already written the music that is the peak of the song. So why would you write more music to try to up the ante even more? Maybe you don't want to do that. Maybe you think you can't do that, right? That the chorus is already the peak. You can't just create artificially create an even bigger peak. Uh, just as uh, for the record, you may think that, but a lot of times you can. It, it takes some work, but you can, and it can be very rewarding. But we'll touch on that with the fifth alternate song structure component. So, and but, but then we don't get the drawback of the same lyrics, right? So it's a way to have that final chorus really pop because it, it has all the same music, that's the highlight, but now there's different lyrics to really recapture the listener's attention and, and give them something new to latch onto because musically it's the same. But now finally for that final chorus, because usually the final chorus, there's alternate lyrics that can help maybe bring the story home or bring the theme home, show another perspective on the theme, whatever it might be. Have, have sort of the twist at the end of the song, if you will, uh, because you can have that in the chorus as well. But you also can have a second chorus that is effectively a post-chorus that's fully fleshed out into a legitimate full song section in its own right. So we talked about post-choruses in last week's episode, and usually a post-chorus is sort of an add-on to the chorus. It's not really a full song section in its own right. It tends to be very lyrically sparse. Uh, some don't have lyrics at all. Some just use like a synth hook or a guitar hook or something like that instead of having any lyrics. Um, but, and, and usually the ones that do have lyrics, they're very simplest, like the same melodic hook singing the same lyric over and over again. Uh, so we talked about that last week. But if you instead fully flesh out your post-course into really a, 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 a full 
extra chorus that has its own set of lyrics and a totally different melody, then that is what I would consider a true second chorus. Because who, who says you can't have another chorus? And then also to go a step farther, I would argue uh, the, the core of a second chorus, unlike a post-chorus, which almost always has the exact same chord progression as the chorus, almost always a post-chorus literally continues the entire harmony, entire chord progression, entire music of the chorus. The only thing that's different is the vocal does some vocal hook instead of the lyrics and the main melody that was in the the, the chorus. But for a second chorus, we can have a totally different chord progression. We can change up the music. The idea is it's a totally separate song section, and it's a song section that clearly is another chorus. So you, you can see this as sort of a bridge that repeats after each chorus once you get to that bridge would be another way to sort of see this. But at some point, it becomes clearly a chorus. I would say if it sort of outshines the chorus or has an equal amount of shine as the chorus and it repeats, at some point, it arguably has become actually a second chorus rather than simply a bridge. I would argue a bridge by nature does not repeat, uh, no matter what worship music would tell you. Um, but... Uh, at some point, it becomes a second course. So the main example I can think of, and I believe I gave this last week when I alluded to the second course stuff, is Daughtry's No Surprise. So if you don't really know what I'm talking about, check out Daughtry's No Surprise. I would say that the after the, I believe it's the second course, there's a part that, and when I say second course here, I mean like the second repetition of the main course. Um, there's a section that repeats after every chorus after that first time. And it's a fully fleshed out section. It has full lyrics. It's not just a regular post chorus. So that's sort of what I'm talking about. So a second course, that's another thing that we can take advantage of. And then finally, it wouldn't be the songwriter theory podcast. If I didn't give a shout out to my personal favorite alternate song structure components, which is the finale. I know, I know. If you've been a listener for a while, you saw this coming. But seriously, if you haven't done it yet, you have to do it. And I'm not just saying this because it's it's my thing, right? It's, I just genuinely think it's, it's one of those gaps in songwriting where like the, uh, stories and shows and movies take advantage of this structural element and as songwriters we just don't so a finale what is it let's define it in case you're new here a finale is sort of a combination between a bridge and a chorus like a chorus it is the musical highlight of the song like a bridge it does not repeat and like a bridge, it is also the story highlight or climax of the song. So something I've, I've talked about a lot, but usually the 
climax of your story is either in the third verse, if you have one, or in your bridge. But the climax musically for your song is almost definitely the chorus. And if it's not usually, that means there's probably something wrong with the song. Most of the time you want the musical climax to be the chorus. The finale takes advantage of both of those concepts and combines them so that you have this final song section that really feels like a grand finale where it's a totally new song section you haven't heard before, like a bridge, and it's not going to repeat like a bridge. But also, you thought that the chorus was going to be the main highlight of the song, and specifically, at least, the musical highlight of the song. But then this finale section comes along, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, wow, this is even cooler, even more epic, even more grandiose than the chorus was. I thought the chorus was going to be the highlight, but then this blew my mind even more. And then the song just ends. And the beauty of that is taking advantage of the fact that you then just made the listener be like, wow, this is the best part of the song. And then you didn't give it to them multiple more times. Because that's sort of the downside of a chorus, right? We, probably a minute into the song, already show them the highlight of the whole song. They already hear the highlight of the whole song. Then they get it again. And then they get it a third time, sometimes even a fourth or a fifth time. So that by the time the song is over, they're actually ready for the song to be over because they've heard the highlight of the song five times or four times. And again, nothing wrong with that, right? I still write choruses in almost every song. In fact, even every song where I have a finale, I also have a chorus. There's nothing wrong with that. But it is missing out on an opportunity, I think where we can take advantage of what a lot of movies and TV shows do. Where, you know, we've all seen a movie where it has a mind-blowing and explosive finale, and then it just, like, is done, right? It blows your mind at the end, and then, boom, it's over. So you're just left there staring at the credits, thinking, oh, my goodness, what did I just watch? That was amazing. And now... You're like, now you're piecing the whole movie together in your head. And then and then you're like, I, I think I just want to watch it again. Like, it just blew my mind. It was so good at the end. And it didn't, it didn't like take advantage of, oh, just repeat the, the best part over and over again. Like what we would get, say, with a chorus where it's like, okay, it was a great chorus. But after four times hearing it, I was ready for it to be over. Instead, it just leaves you before you're ready for it to be done. And that's what a finale can get you. It leaves the best for last, and then you quit while you're ahead. Because you gave them the highlight of the song just once, right at the end, and then you call it a day. And then for the record, just because this has come up at least once before, but if you're wondering, Joseph, is how is a finale any different than a, a coda or an outro? And the answer is both of those are completely non-opinionated. A coda could be literally just one chord that you end the song with. It's really more of a music like notation concept than anything else. And they're completely unopinionated, right? The coda could be just a single chord. It could be a fade out. It could be just the chorus music repeating one last time, but the vocalist hops out. It could be 10 minutes. It could be the highlight of the song. So it's sort of like 
We've talked before about how every chorus is a refrain, but not every refrain is a chorus. A refrain is a very broad term that's overall not very opinionated. Um, usually how we use it now is in the opinionated way of, of it being a single line and usually a verse that repeats. Uh, but really a refrain by definition, like a pre-chorus would qualify if it has the same lyrics every time. A post-chorus would qualify usually. A chorus would qualify. So ultimately it becomes almost a meaningless term. It's very vague. Uh, in the same way, an outro or a coda is completely, like it doesn't actually inform us as to the job or the purpose or the role of that part of the song. A finale does in the way that a chorus does. Because a chorus should be generally the highlight of your song. Musically, it usually has theme. It usually in, it involves repetition, right? You repeat a chorus. By definition, a chorus can't just happen once. Like that, that, like literally by definition, a chorus is a repeating part of a song. So if it doesn't repeat, it's not really a chorus. So, for example, if you have a song structure like A, A, B, A, you would consider that B section not a chorus, but a bridge. Because, again, by definition, a chorus has to repeat. So a finale is, is similar, right? There's that we, uh, I have this created definition, right? And it's very opinionated. It needs to do certain things for it to qualify as a finale. So usually it's, it's not going to qualify as a finale if it's not a brand new song section. It's not going to qualify as a finale if it doesn't end with that, right? You can't call a bridge a finale because a bridge bridges back into a chorus. No, the song has to end on the finale. It could have an outro after the finale, but as far as like primary song sections with lyrical content, it has to be the last song section, as evidenced by the term finale. Um, so, again, the beauty of finale, you can have the climax of your mu music be a section that also contains the climax of your story, which you almost never get in most songs, because usually your climax of your music is going to be in the chorus where you're handling theme and usually not really talking about story. And then the climax of your story is probably going to be in the bridge or in your third verse. Why not have them together in an explosive, amazing finale? And then normally your chorus is your musical climax. Um, but a great way to sort of subvert expectations in a good way is to have the chorus be the musical climax of the song until you one-up it at the end with the finale and then leave the listener wanting more. Which right now you're probably thinking, Joseph, you should have left us as listeners wanting more and ended this podcast 15 minutes ago. But you know I love finales, so <laughs> you, you had to know the finale part was going to go a, a little bit longer. So hopefully this was helpful to you. Here are some subtle alternate song structure components. Most of these aren't particularly re revolutionary. Probably the most is the finale. Um, you know, opening with a chorus is not something crazy. Like none of you thought, oh, I've never heard a song that opened with a chorus. You might be struggling to think of a song that opens with a chorus. That may be the case. Uh, more likely, a lot of us probably thought, oh, I've, I've never actually written a song, though, that opens with a chorus. Or maybe we've never had a really small first chorus that we've used. Maybe we've never used a second bridge, which, by the way, is a load of fun. Um, yeah, I've I've done it once, I believe, uh, just once so far. I want to do it again because <laughs> I it was just is great. More work because there's more lyrics to write, but super re rewarding, especially if this if it works for the song. 
So again, just as a reminder, opening with a chorus instead of opening with a verse or an intro, a small first chorus, a second bridge, a second chorus in either of its senses, but uh, more what we were talking about was a true second chorus, a totally separate song section that is also operating as a chorus, and then a finale. Go out, write a song that utilizes one of these, or hey, maybe you can make it your goal in the next five weeks, five months to write five songs that each one utilizes one of these Be sure to pick at least one of these, try it out. Some of these are pretty easy to plug and play into songs that you've already written, like opening with a chorus. You can literally just put your chorus at the beginning, try it out, see if it works. And then some of these are something, hey, maybe you've written a chorus and you've written a a verse or both of your verses, and now you're trying to like write the bridge. You know what? Maybe try writing a finale instead and then just end the song there, right? Uh, usually for the record, when I'm doing a finale, it usually has a structure of verse, chorus, verse, chorus, finale. Um, so it's, there's no bridge chorus. It's just finale. Uh, and then another song, another example, this, this is probably the most lyrics I've ever written for a song, but it's, it's verse one, chorus one. I say chorus one because the, the chorus lyrics are alternate literally every time the chorus comes. Uh, Verse two, chorus two, bridge one, bridge two, verse three, chorus three, finale. (laughs) So all those song sections are fairly short because the song still comes in at, I think, only four and a half minutes or so, uh, despite having all those song sections. Um, But lots of things that we can try out, right? You can combine a bunch of these. Like in that song structure I just mentioned, right? There was a second bridge in that. I had alternate lyrics for the chorus every time, and I had a finale. So these can all mix as well. Go out, experiment, try some of these. Hopefully, this episode gave you some ideas of what to do. If you haven't already, be sure to download my free guide, songwritertheory.com slash free guide to help you dive right into songwriting, not mess around. If you're maybe feeling a little low in the inspiration department, hopefully that will help you because, man, it's amazing how much you can have be rejuvenated in your creativity just by changing up the instrument you write with or starting with the lyrics, reverse engineering a song based on coming up with a cool song title and then figuring out what would that song be about. Regardless, go out, songwrite. I'll talk to you in the next one.